Blog Talk Radio. I was a hard-drinking sinner with blood on my hands. I was a hard-drinking sinner, a gun in my hands, drinking 40 pounds for dinner till I met a big man. Ryan. And I'm Kimmy. I'm here too. <laughs> and she is here to uh, hang out with us tonight, although she did not bring her Five Nights, five nights with Freddy Bear. Five Nights at Freddy Bear. She always brings her little teddy bear out to join us, our, our third co-host. She doesn't doesn't say much, though, but that's good. She, he just kind of observed us. Oh, we got, oh, got two. We've got four hosts here tonight. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully, we won't all be uh, talking over each other here. Um, and this bear comes alive at night, so I don't want that to happen. Well, at least not, not while I'm on the show. Although that might make, make some good content if the teddy bear comes alive. It'll be a first, at least on a freaking awesome show. Hope everyone had a good Halloween. Um, it was a nice. It was fun. I I thought I was gonna have to work all night at Pizza Hut, but uh, they were so slow burp there that actually let me, off, let me get off early. I really don't know why they thought that it was going to be, like, super busy. Uh, yeah, apparently I was talking to one of the managers last night, and it wasn't even busy last year. 
Yeah, so why would they? I don't know. That's weird. But, but yeah, they're like, it's the busiest night of the year. We need everyone to work. That's what they said. Maybe one time it was super busy. So now they assume that it's going to be busy every single year. That really doesn't, like, add up, though. It really doesn't. No. Because, like, Halloween is... Plus it being on a Sunday. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's you know, I guess, you know, if it's, like, she was saying, my friend manager was saying last night, if it was on, like, a, a Friday or Saturday, you know, maybe people have Halloween parties and stuff and order pizza then. But on a Sunday, you know, I don't... Yeah. Then it was a lot didn't work. But it worked for me because I got to get up early. Plus, I got to make some money mm-hmm. yesterday as well, so... It's a not, not yesterday, <laughs> Sunday. So it's kind of a win-win situation. Um, is it just me though? It, but has this fall kind of gone by like super fast? Yes. You know, and it, it's I feel like um, I'm really trying to dive deep into like the holiday spirit. Like the past few months, just have been all Halloween, watching Halloween videos, just being all about Halloween. Of course, you know, being a ghost investigator and paranormal, you know, doing all that stuff is kind of like that way all year. But more than but more than usual, I've been watching like Halloween videos, trying to watch all the Halloween specials, not horror movies, because you know I don't do that. I don't do that mess. But <laughs> for some odd reason, yeah. But I was trying to immerse myself in in the uh, holiday spirit. So now I've moved past Halloween. Well, of course, I always have Halloween in my heart, but now I'm going headlong until Christmas. My I've been watching Christmas videos and Christmas music going. And I'll I'll watch some Thanksgiving stuff too, although there isn't much of that to choose from. So, um, you know, I'm trying just trying to get myself immersed in the holiday spirit. And how do you guys feel about that? I mean, I think it's uh, I think we need it. I think we need anything we need in our lives. So much negativity out there, but you know what's positive? What's positive? Talking to GC at work tonight. That's positive. (laughs) I am excited. Uh, I heard him on. Jerry Pritchard Reyes's podcast, which is right before mine, on the Vibe Radio Network. Check out Vibe Time with Jerry. The music comes on at 8 p.m. on Tuesday night. She's taking a small break, but she'll be back sometime in November. I forgot when she's coming back, but she'll be back. I promise. So, um, but yeah, I uh, I heard at the tail end of their conversation. Like, man, I got to talk to this guy. Plus, you know, he lives in near Williamsburg, so he's, I know he's got a lot of cool stories about down there. He used to love going – I still love going down there. I was about to say. <laughs> I mean, when I, was, when I was a kid, I used to go down there Williamsburg and hear all the ghost stories. I've actually been on the ghost tour down there. Um, so, like I said, I was very excited to be able to get a chance to speak with him tonight. So I'm going to go ahead and put him on the show right about now. That works. Good evening. Hey man, how's it going? Hey man, how are you doing? I'm I'm not too bad. I'm hanging in there. That is awesome. So like I was telling, talking earlier, man, you 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 live near you're near Williamsburg, right? That area. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm actually just over in Gloucester Point, which is about 25 minutes away. There's so much, so much cool history down there, man. You must be loving it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm surrounded, surrounded by history everywhere I go, between Williamsburg, Yorktown, Jamestown, and even Gloucester, and you can't get away from it. It'd be definitely, it'd be definitely hard. I guess you'd definitely be hard-pressed to get, get away from history anywhere you go in the state, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could definitely say that about Virginia, for sure. So um, let's get. I figure we get, just get into it. How how young were you when you started getting into the, the paranormal? Was that, has it always been something you've been interested in, or is it you just got kind of got into like recently? Um, so it actually started when I was thirteen. Um, my grandfather passed away, and he and I were very close. I um, I remember it was a couple of days after. Um, we had a funeral. I had this dream where I woke up in a white room uh, that seemed like it went on forever, very bright lights, and it felt like it was more than a dream, but I couldn't explain it. I um, I remember I ended up walking for what seemed like forever, and finally I heard a voice. It was my grandfather calling out to me, 
And finally, you know, I made my way over to him. He was at the very end of the room sitting in a, a, a white chair and a white suit, and he was very youthful looking. And, you know, I went up to him. I said, Papa, you know, that's what I called him. I said, Papa, what's going on? Why are we here? And he said, look, forget all that. I didn't get a chance to tell you goodbye. I just wanted you to know how much I love you, and I hope you have a nice life. And I remember it was like a split second later, I woke up feeling like I was still there, but I was back to reality, you know, a 13-year-old boy crying in his mm-hmm. bed. And uh, I remember telling everybody about that, and they were like, oh, you're just a 13-year-old boy, you know, you're grieving, you loved your grandpa. Um, but, you know, don't think it was his ghost. And uh, I talked to my grandmother, and at the end of it, you know, she kind of looked at me funny. I said, what? She said, it's interesting you told me that because your grandfather asked me about you literally just a few minutes before he died. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that really put it into perspective for me. Um, And from there, it just kind of put me on the path that I'm on now, uh, always, you know, looking for answers and investigating. You know, thinking about, uh, you told me that story, kind of jogged my memory. Well, I had the same kind of experience my, when my grandfather passed away. I remember I was I had a dream, and I still remember it clearly. A lot, a lot of times when you have dreams, you can't rem- mm-hmm. they stick with you for a little bit, but then they go, they go, they they disappear. But this one was clear as day. Same thing happened with my mom, but um, I remember I was sitting where at a uh, picnic, random picnic, and my grandfather shows up. And he's got he's dressed up he's got his like shorts on and his like sandals with the socks on or just not really sandals but shoes with socks on pulled up and he looked like you know he did when he was alive and mm-hmm. um, I looked at him like what are you doing here he's like what are you, what are you talking about I'm like you're dead I, I was a pallbearer in your funeral you're not you're you know he's like no I'm fine I'm like no you I was there he's like no I'm good I'm like and it just kind of like then after he said it the second time I'm like okay. And it just accepted it, you know, and it was like basically mm-hmm. him telling me that he was okay. And then, of course, you wake up and you realize that it was so real. It felt so real that when it was taken, you wake up, it felt like something was taken away from you. And you had to feel like you had to, I felt at least I had to say goodbye to him all over again. And the same thing happened with my yeah. mom when she passed mm-hmm. away. You know, I, you know, I would dream about her and for some reason she came back and it was just like, it was all okay with me. There, there, there's no explanation needed. Like she died and then she mm-hmm. came back to life and it was okay. That's just how it worked. It's just life. Our life was in my dream. And it felt like we were just together for so long and then wake up and it's like, you come into realization that, Oh yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a coping mechanism in your head, but it's so clear, so vivid. It's like I don't know. It feels like it feels like it needs it has to be more than just that, you know. Yeah, yeah. I I know exactly what you mean. Most definitely. Yeah, I um actually just last week and uh, weirdly enough, I haven't shared the story with anybody else but Jerry of all people. Um, I I was in the hospital last week and I was, I was just having some routine procedures done and. Um, before they took me back, um, I I was just lying. I remember I was lying on the gurney, had my eyes closed, and all of a sudden I got the vision of my grandfather's face coming down the hallway of the hospital looking for me, and he was calling out to me, and I was like, okay, why am I imagining this? And I said, you know, in my head I said, keep going, you know, you're almost there, and he said, all right, I'm coming. And they ended up wheeling me back a few minutes later, and um, I felt a, a spiritual energy come into the room, and they were just standing, you know, in the back corner, like, watching me. And I was like, okay, is this him? But um, to make a long story short, um, you know, they gave me the anesthesia, and I took my nap, and I had this dream where I woke up in in you know, the room where they were doing the procedure on me and I could see everything that was going on, uh, including myself. Um, 
you know, uh, who, who was fast asleep. And I'm looking at everybody, you know, the doctor, the nurses, and then right behind the doctor, leaning up against the wall with his arms crossed, is my grandfather. And he's just got a big smile on his face, you know, he's watching. And I hadn't, I hadn't seen him that clearly since the dream I had, you know, when he passed away when I was 13. Uh, there he was right in front of me. And I tried to call him, but I couldn't talk. And he yeah. turned and looked at me, though. And he had a big smile on his face, and, you know, he nodded his head, and something told me right then that everything was going to be okay and, you know, to not, not worry. And it was like two seconds later, I infiltrated my IV and slipped out of anesthesia early. <laughs> and I I told the nurse at the foot of the gurney, she was like, are you okay? I was like, I don't know if it was the drugs or I just had the most trippy experience of a lifetime, but my dead grandfather was here in the room with me and was smiling at me. And she was like, hey, maybe it was both, man. Go with it. <laughs> I mean, you know what? A lot of people, a lot of people uh, you know, do, do drugs to, like, I guess, transcend, you know, and go, mm-hmm. and go into a different space, mind space, you know, so maybe that's what happened with you. You know, without doing that, having to do the illegal stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe you're, you maybe know. you're astral projecting or something. Like just because you said you saw your body and stuff. Maybe you're like hovering. You know, how they say they say like, I saw myself in the bed and I saw this old. saw people around me that I saw like my grandparents, whatever. You know, and mm-hmm. it sounds like something that, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely plausible. I do know my my grandfather is um, one of my spirit guides, so it kind of makes sense to me that he was there in that moment. Yeah, making sure you're okay and making sure, hey, you know, you're not your time yet. You know, not that not that it was like yeah. you're about to die or anything, but it was more like, hey, I'm still here. You know. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now wake mm-hmm. up. When you woke up. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So when you so go, definitely wild. When you go on invest, yeah, it's crazy. When you go on investigation, mm-hmm. do you have like, uh, do you have like a like a mediumship gift? Do you, like, Jerry, do you feel things, or is it uh, more like just a family a family connection? So I I definitely feel things. So like I can I can see you know uh, spiritual energies. I can. Um, I can sometimes even hear their thoughts if I let them in. Um, I'm, it's like I just started uh, working at Fort Magruder Hotel in Williamsburg a couple of days ago, and that place is just crawling with spirits. I mean, today I was by myself at the front desk, and they were just, like, <laughs> coming up to me all day long, you know. And I was just like, mm-hmm. all right, look, 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 you know, I'm trying to work. You know, we can talk later. I'll let you know when. Um, but, you know, I was feeling them, I was seeing them, and, like, every once in a while, you know, it's like they were just, like, poking at me, you know, trying to get my attention, and I'm just like, oh, the curse of being liked on the other side. <laughs> Leave me alone, guys. God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's like, I, I guess, you know, my empathic energy is, off the charts to them, you know, it's like I'm this beacon of light and they're, they're drawn to that. Like moths to a flame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good way of putting it. Plus there's so, yeah, there's they, so much down there that mm-hmm. it's gotta be overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes it really is. I mean, within the, the last year here, I, I would say my, I, I don't want to say mediumship, but, you know, whatever these gifts are that I have seem to be getting stronger. Um, you know, the more I I go out and investigate, because, I mean, uh-huh. I've, I've had some super intense experiences. I guess it's like anything else, the more you use a particular muscle or particular sense or whatever, the stronger it gets. Mhm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Makes perfect sense to me. When you go, 
Yeah, when you go into you go into work or go to these places, do you like have to like put a shield up, or do you just you know what kind of protection do you use just so you don't get super overwhelmed? Um, so I mean, I use I, I use the white light technique um, a lot just so I don't get overwhelmed. But I mean, I I wear protection too, bracelets and necklaces and different things, or you know like tiger's eye and an amethyst. Um, I usually like carry black tourmaline on me somewhere um, just to kind of repel negative energy. Um, but I mean, even then, at the end of the day, they still sometimes find the uh, you know the uh, I guess the chink in my armor, if you will. Mm-hmm. So how did yeah. you? Uh, what? What? I guess I, have, I see two ghost teams. Are you? Are you? Are you on both of the teams? Um, yeah. Oh, nice. How did you mm-hmm. get into yeah, uh, so, actual paranormal investigating? <laughs> um, so when I was nineteen. Um, me and a buddy went um, out to Old House Woods one night after work, and um, he was like, hey, you ever been ghost hunting? And I said, no, but, you know, I've had all these crazy experiences throughout my childhood. And um, he was like, well, hey, you know, there's really nothing to it. I got a, you know, digital recorder and, you know, all camera and stuff like that. And I was like, all right, yeah, sure. And, um, we went out to Old House Woods and single-handedly had the most crazy experience I had ever had up until that point. Um, and that pretty much threw me into investigating um, right then and there. I knew I, I knew I had to have more answers. That's one place I definitely yeah. want to check out. Mm-hmm, I hear mm-hmm. uh, Barry talk about it all the time. And I'm like, man, i got to get down there. Go down there now. And yeah. Or, you know, be with the mosquitoes yeah. in the summertime. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, it's it's pretty brutal <laughs> during the summer. This time of the year is very ideal, you know, especially down there in that neck of, I guess, neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, neck of the that, That's a good little pun there. Yeah. Where, um, <laughs> what? What's the uh, like the, your favorite place to go? Like what as far as like investigating? What's what's the place we get the most the most stuff evidence? Oh gosh, um, that is a good question. Um, my I would say my two, my all time two favorites um, would be Fleetwood Church and Brandy Station, Virginia. Uh, just another place to I do a big go. shout out for. Spirit Guides Paranormal. Um, and then my other favorite uh, would be the Pete and Randolph House in Williamsburg, Virginia. I can remember going, Definitely. On, a tour, going on a tour inside Peyton Randolph House. Um, mm-hmm. When I got with my parents, got one of the passes, so we went inside the house. What kind of stuff, um, what kind of activity have you, have you experienced in the Peyton Randolph House? That's really cool. You got to go in there. Yeah, um, so I mean, like, I've I've had, like, weird knocking sounds and, like, footsteps, um, caught some, like, weird light anomalies, um, gotten some pretty decent EVPs in there. Now, I guess let me go ahead and put in a disclaimer. Um, Colonial Williamsburg, their foundation does not promote ghost hunting at all whatsoever. Um mm-hmm. Countless investigation groups have tried to get in. Um, the only way I was even able to do so was because I, I already worked there um, for the foundation at the time that I went in. Um, so it was much easier for me to do so. Yeah, but I yeah, guess it's, um, give people the wrong impression that, hey, you know, you guys can go investigating at Florida Williamsburg. You know, it's like you said, it's one of those things where it's like, Special circumstances, you get to go, you got to go in there because you, you work there type of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and you know, nowadays it's me hanging out on the property outside the house and, you know, trying to use the rapport that I have with the spirits there that I've been developing over the course of, you know, um, six, seven years and 
getting them to come outside to talk with me and, you know, light up my devices and give me EVPs and stuff like that. Makes my job a little more interesting. I'm sure it does. What kind of, uh, what yeah. kind of stories are attached to, uh, to the Peyton Randolph house? What kind of stories? Oh gosh. Yeah. Like what, what, <laughs> as far, yeah. Or get the, the highlights, I guess. Um, probably the most well-known story, um, is about a, um, former security officer who worked there in the 1970s named Pedro Jones. He goes into the house, um, like two o'clock in the morning, um, one night and he's just doing a routine patrol of the place, um, in a two-story house, you know, he, he's just going in checking doors and, uh, windows, making sure everything is locked up no real alarms in those days. And um, after he's done with all that, he goes downstairs in the basement, turns the light on, and, you know, he's looking around the room. He puts it together at the break room. He's like, all right. Um, he sees a magazine, starts looking through the magazine. He goes to leave, realizes he's left the light on. Well, he goes to turn the light off, and when the light goes off, somebody locks him in the basement right up at the top of the stairs. And he draws his gun because he's not sure what the heck's going on, you know? And he calls out to whoever it is and they start growling at him. And that's when he realizes something really weird is going on. Uh, he puts the gun away, reaches up for his walkie and uh, he manages to get in touch with the dispatcher. Dispatcher says they'll send somebody over, but it'll be about five minutes. And at some point during the five minutes, something may or may not have come up out of the basement staircase and grabbed him around the ankles. Um, the lieutenant was the one who ended up coming to get him. And when he got him out, you know, he said he was shaking all over. He, you know, he, he was pale as a sheet. And he asked him what happened to him. And he claimed that ice-cold hands came out of the basement, wrapped around his ankles, and no matter how hard he tried, they wouldn't let him go. Single-handedly, wow. the the most terrifying experience I've ever heard of anybody having um, in that house. But one question I always ask myself uh, as an investigator almost every time I go there and I tell people about this experience is what happened in this particular scenario? You know, who who was it or what was it? that reached out to him, you know, because I don't personally be, believe that they were trying to hurt him. I feel like it was a cry for help. Uh-huh. But that's just my I, my intuition. Plus, I mean, you know the building. You, you would know if there's something bad in the house. You could, you'd, be, you'd be able to feel it as far as much as you're in that area in the building. You'd, you know, you would know if there's something malevolent in the house. Um but you mm-hmm. said, I can imagine you're, you're in their house and you, you say I'll be there in five minutes. That and if you're if you're already scared or you know, that that five minutes might as well might as well have been five hours. <laughs> it's, it's like yeah, it, it, <laughs> the time just kind of drags by, and all of a sudden you get the, the feeling in your ankle like you're being you know, you can't that you can't move. Yeah, but yeah, that guy was it, so it, glad to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're talking about a guy that was six foot five, two hundred fifty pounds at the time. Um, you know, fresh out of the army uh, and, and the and the navy. Um, I mean, we're talking about like a you know a, a seasoned veteran who doesn't exactly yeah. scare you. Um, I mean, that that says a lot to me that something definitely happened down there that shook him up. Not prone to freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. interesting with him, though. He, um... No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it just goes to show that, you know, it doesn't matter how big you are or how strong you are, how tough you are. When something like that happens, you know, especially if you're not expecting it to happen, you know, it, it'll freak you out because mm-hmm. it's like the unknown, not being able to see your, your, your assailant, but see what's doing it to you. It's it's scary. It's the fact that mm-hmm. you don't think it can happen to you, and then it happens. Oh and yeah. You can't justify why it happened. 
Oh yeah, well and he, he wasn't you know, he was what he was security in the yeah. in the mm-hmm. he said, Yeah, so he wasn't like us. When we go out there we're looking for it. He wasn't looking for it. He just wanted to lock the doors and leave. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> it's like we're I like we're begging for morning. Like You're not happen. expecting that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He um he ended up quitting a, a few months after that and a lot of people speculated as to why, but I always kind of laughed because he ended up taking a job uh, down at the College of William and Mary, and I was like, "All right, is that That'll coincidence?" Go <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> second oldest university in the United States. I mean, come on, man, do your homework. Oh, You're good. Yeah, no, there's nothing there. Don't worry about it. You're right. Mm-hmm. Well, and here, here's what's interesting. So, um, Pey- Peyton Randolph, his brother John, and his father John are all buried in the Wren Chapel at the College of Wayman Mary. Well, coincidence? Yeah. Ah, crazy. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah. freaky. <laughs> so are you talking about, you know, him, you know, the guy being scared. Have you ever been on an investigation where you've been like, okay, I'm actually kind of scared right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, a small handful of times. doesn't happen a whole lot. Um, actually, July 24th of this year, I was on a public um, paranormal investigation of Scotchtown and uh, Hanover Tavern, uh, a courthouse, and the old Yeah, yeah. Great locations. Oh, yeah, I've been there. That place is awesome. Yeah. I... Um, I guess at some point during the evening, I I picked up a couple of spirit attachments um, from Scotchtown and possibly brought them um, along with me for the rest of the evening. And when we got to Hanover, uh, excuse me, the the Old Stone Jail, um, we were upstairs in the sheriff's office at one point, and um, they had me be in the receiver during an Estes Method session. And all of a sudden, I'm just like, I'm getting a bunch of really dark responses from the spirits. They're talking about um, pain and blood and, you know, murder and all this other stuff. And I'm like, man, I don't like where this conversation is going. Um, but I felt a, a spiritual energy, like, rush me. Like, like they just came running at me while I'm sitting there with the headset and the blindfold on. And, you know, I, I, like, I started laughing. And it just came out of nowhere, but I threw my hand up, you know, in front of myself. And I said in my head, look, I don't know who you are, but you're invading my space. I need you to back off. And what can I say? It worked. I mean, they, they backed off. I felt the pressure go. And um, we did the session a few more minutes, and we uh, ended it, and I came out. And we started kind of, you know, talking about the, the questions that were asked versus the responses that I was giving. And then I felt that same thing I felt while I was under, like something came rushing at me. This, the spirit, the spirit just bum rushed me, I guess you could say. And mm-hmm. I ended up doubling over and laughing my head off. Um, just this like deep maniacal laughter and I couldn't control it uh, at all. And everybody was like, why are you laughing like a psychopath? And I'm like, I, you know, I'm trying to talk. I'm like, it's not me. And um, one of the guys in the room, he was like, you, do you not want us here? And I, I swear to you, somebody else's voice came out of my mouth and said no. You know, just this, like, raspy, very, like, evil-sounding kind of voice. And it said no. And I, it was then that I jumped up, you know, scared of what was actually taking place. And I said look, I don't know who you are or what you want, but we're going to step outside. You're going to leave me and everybody else here alone. And I left the jail, um, went outside, and I laughed probably for another 30 minutes nonstop. And every time I tried to come back in, I could feel that, that spirit right there at the top of the stairs watching me. And every time I looked, I would start laughing. Um, finally, they just said it was best if I stayed outside because, I mean, he was getting me good, whoever he was. Um, they had to, like, uh, get one of their investigators to come 
cleanse my aura and I mean, yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty scary. I I was legitimately scared. Had no idea what was going on and I've never really come close to like experiencing possession or anything like that, but that that that's what it felt like. Um, you know, for me and I've seen enough horror movies <laughs> to kinda of know, but yeah. Oh, I don't know. It was definitely unreal. Yeah, we've dealt with that uh, uh, more than more than once. That were out the cabin um, on three hundred and sixty. We we had the, the brick the brick rancher next to the cabin. There's something inside that house that gets to people, and uh, makes them makes them want to do things they wouldn't normally do. And we've mm-hmm. had a few times where we've had um, investigators have to leave the house come out and get blessed by Dennis because they're like, dude, I, I, I feel like I want to hurt my loved ones. I, they, they put person's thing in, in the house mm-hmm. and put stuff in my head that was, that not, was not my thoughts. And, and, yeah. and we've had a lot of people have to have to deal with that and, and just to get, get overwhelmed and, hit them and have to leave because, you know, it's just a lot to handle, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally get it. Yeah, I mean, here you are just trying to, you know, <laughs> go go looking for ghosts, and you get a little more than you bargained for. Yeah, because yeah, you're not you're not That's... expecting something like that to happen. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you kind of have to now. I guess you're gonna just expect, always expect the unexpected. But when you go into mm-hmm. any investigation, yeah. I'm like, well, I'm gonna get possessed today. It's like, you know, you don't. It's not something you really have in your top top in front of your head. You know, I'm not sure. At least I would hope not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. So you thought you thought these the spirit that had come was that had attacked you was from Scotchtown, or or do you think it was from the jail? Um. So I went back and forth about this with um, Donnie and Christy Barger from Spirit Spirit Guides Paranormal, um, whose team I'm now part of. Um, as well as Steve Dallas from uh, Transcend Paranormal. And, you know, we were all trying to figure it out because, you know, based off um, what Steve was telling me, you know, about the spirits at the Old Stone Jail that they normally encounter, he was kind of like, this is a little out of character for them. So I don't know who you picked up, but you definitely didn't get them from here. Um, so we're pretty much theorizing that I picked him up from um, Scotchtown because he said he noticed that from when we we left the basement or the, the cellar of the house, mm-hmm. um, things started, like, the activity started kicking up, um, like, really high, and it was after Mike left. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was an experience. I'll chalk it up to that. <laughs> That's interesting, because um, mm-hmm. both places are are you know very very very, very good places, and uh, I didn't really, I didn't really get that much stuff when I was in, when I investigated Scotchtown, but it might have just been an off night. But Hanover Tavern, I remember going into the courthouse with Dennis, and we were supposed to, we were over there just trying to pick up some some EVPs for uh, I guess Transcend was doing like. Promotional work for like the next investigation to need EVPs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they had a private investigation out there, and they sent Dennis and I over to the courthouse. And we were walked walked in. We walked in, and we swear heard a full on conversation talking. And then oh, wow. they stopped as soon as we walked in the door. And of course, we didn't have our recorders going because we we just got there. But mm-hmm. it was it was it was crazy. Yeah, I always love moments like that because it's like. The spirits get you when you least expect it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the, the audio recorders are off, the cameras are off, and it's like you, that's when something really cool happens. You're like, dang, why couldn't they wait, you know, just five seconds longer? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Come, comes with the territory. But it's a fun personal experience. I guess not everything has to be captured. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we all love to tell a good story. Exactly, and those are, you know, it's good. It's fun telling uh, ghost ghost hunting 
you know, stories and stuff. So what's your favorite like piece of evidence that you've captured? My favorite piece of evidence that I've captured. Hmm. That is a good one. Um, let's see. I actually, um, I've got some audio that I'm working on cleaning up now um, where I made contact with um, Brigadier General Philip Kearney, um, who served in the Union Army uh, in 1862, um, who actually fought uh, in the Battle of Fort Magruder in Williamsburg. Um, actually just made contact with him the other night during an AEP session, and I got some really great stuff from him. Um, like, you know, all the way down to, like, specifics about the battle and who was involved. Um, yeah, it was really, really, I mean, it was out of the blue. I wasn't even expecting it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I could have talked to him for probably a couple of hours if he had the energy, but I was like, I'm not going to overdo it. I'll come back mm-hmm. at another point and hope to bump into him again. So, yeah, it's kind of cool. That's that's that. really it was cool. totally cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 uh, it's more than kinda of cool. That's that's really awesome. That's that's yeah. That's incredible. Now you got a rapport with him. Like you said, maybe, you know, he'll he'll join you again and maybe you can get some more answers from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean me, you know, especially I love the the chance to kind of connect those dots, you know, go, Okay, I got a, a Philip Kearney who says he was in, you know, this battle in 1862 and they go look at the history and go, holy crap, this guy was actually a brigadier general. He was somebody, you know, not just, you know, low on the totem pole, you know, enlisted guy. I mean, he was a brigadier general. Um, and then you're able to go through and find out more about him that way you can develop more of a, um, a relationship, you know, if you continue having conversations with him. Yeah, there's something about the familiar. I can't even say the word familiarity. I sound like familiar. I can't, I can't say it. familiarity with spirits yeah. that you know, they they have a com- they're comfortable with you. I think um, like going back to going to you back to the cabin, but you know when I go over there, you know, I think people are disappear. So I'm so used to seeing me that it's not. It's like oh okay, it's just you. I don't like oh, he's back. Yeah, I don't need to talk to you. Know. <laughs> Only talk to you, but new people come in, they get more activity. So maybe they're, yeah. maybe they're like, "Oh, these are new new people. I'll, I'll talk to him. Talk to them." Mm-hmm. Right? He's, he's yeah. uh, you know, been they done that kind of thing. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, it's all about the energy. I imagine you know, it's like mm-hmm. new people bringing new energy, new vibes, and the spirits are like, "Ooh, I like this." You know, it's like we're all tasty treats, pretty much. Yeah. Oh. oh, fresh meat. I see. Okay. Nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, good tell stuff. Me about the the original ghost tour. So, how many mm-hmm. how many ghost tours does Williamsburg have? Is oh gosh. Um, no. Um, so, I'm trying to think how many exactly there are now. Um, so there's my, um, the company that I work for, um, which is the original ghost tour, of course, um, they're actually mm-hmm. Virginia's oldest, um, ghost tour company and then the second oldest ghost tour company in the, in the, in the U S. Um, then there is spooks and legends. Um, those guys dress up in costumes and play characters. Then there is, um, haunted Williamsburg, which is run by colonial Williamsburg. Um, then there is U.S. Ghost Adventures, um, who has colonial ghosts under their umbrella. Then there is the Ghostographer. Um, I think there's a guy called Axe Wild Ghost Tours. Um, there's another group called Colonial Connections. Uh, those are the ones that I can just think of. So all, I mean, these, these, diff- all these different quite a few. Ghost, ghost Tours. There's only so many, so so many. So they all, do they all tell different stories, or is it a, are they pretty much the same stories, just different people telling them in different ways? 
Well, I'm, I find that a lot, a lot of the stories tend to get told by all the groups, you know, like um, mm-hmm. the story I, I just shared with you from the Peyton Randolph house about the security officer. I, I yeah. guarantee you every single company tells that story because it's the most well-known story. And, you know, they all take their creative liberties and tell the story differently, but in the end, it, we all know it's the same story. Um, yeah. You know, like that, that, that one story, I've heard it told probably 20 different ways, and each time I hear it told a different way, I'm like, ugh. But that's besides the point. Um, everybody tries to go out and look for new stories. I think sometimes there are these companies they literally write stuff and try to pass it off as a as a true story when, you know, people like myself who have been doing this long enough can easily go, yeah, I'm pretty sure that didn't happen, but okay, if you say so. Um, yeah, and I, I get in the way when companies change the history. It's like take creative liberties with the storytelling all you want, but don't touch the history because this actually happened and people can go back and verify that if they feel so inclined. Yeah, the history is kind of concrete, you know. You can't change that. You can change the creative liberties with other things, but the history is kind of – you can't really change that. I remember I went on the mm-hmm. um, the Colonial Williamsburg Ghost Tours a while ago, so maybe they, maybe they changed it. But um, I can remember them telling the stories, but it was pretty much like they're telling it word for word from the L.B. Taylor – Ghost of Williamsburg book. It was like, okay. Mm-hmm. It was like, it's almost like they had a script. It's like, I remember reading this exact thing, what they were saying. There wasn't much of a, wasn't much of their own, of their own, like, creative license to it. It's pretty much just, if you have the book, you can pretty much just, it's like an audio book, just go read along with it. <laughs> so that was kind of like, uh, that was, but like I said, they may have changed it up since then. Yeah, yeah. I I know you. I know what you mean. Um, one thing I've been doing, you know, while working for the original Ghost Tour is actually because you know, obviously I'm a storyteller, but I've been collecting stories from guests over the course of the past, you know, six seven years that I've been, you know, working the streets of Colonial Waynesburg, not only for them but also for the original Ghost Tour because people you know, want to hang out with me all the time at the end of tours and swap stories with me. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, hey, you know, feel free to use my story. And I'll go home and I'll write this stuff down. And then I'm like, you know, after a while, I guess I need to do something with this. So, you know, like this year um, we we launched um, what we call Beyond the Shadows of Williamsburg, um, which is all true stories that I've pulled from not only guests that have been on tours with me in the past, but also friends uh, that still work in the historic area today and you know you stop in front of the building you hear about the history for a a little bit and then you know this Mm -hmm. spooky encounter that mary joe had while working in the you know the mary dickinson shop or something like that Um, and then on that tour also you get to use a couple of pieces of ghost hunting equipment you know just to kind of give you an extra experience Um, but it's not really a ghost hunt per se. Um, but a few months after that, I actually ended up creating um, our extreme ghost tour, um, which is a, a legit three hour ghost hunting tour of Colonial Williamsburg. It's amazing how like comfortable people feel when they, they realize that, Hey, you know, I'm not crazy. I can talk to you about these things. And so they may, they may have, and they may, you know, I've had these experiences and not wanted to talk about because they're, they're afraid people would think they're crazy. Um, and luckily I think with social media and everything, the world's become a smaller place, but it's also become more connected and maybe they can, people can share their experiences and they don't feel as, as, as if they're crazy because they realize that other people, you know, have been going, have happened, have had the same kind of experiences, you know, but it's so mm-hmm. cool that you, you know, people feel comfortable enough to come up to you and tell you these stories and, and uh, say, hey, you know, this happened to me. I was just really cool, man. Yeah, feel free to let people know about this. And that may they may not yeah. have had a chance to do that. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And one thing I always strive for, you know, whether I'm doing a storytelling uh, tour or, um, you know, I'm doing a ghost hunting tour, if I ever, you know, feel like I should share a story, I'm like, you know, why not? You know, be vulnerable with your, your tour group because if you're vulnerable with your people, they're going to be vulnerable with you in return, you know, because you've gone out on that limb and shared that personal experience and now they're thinking, wow, you know, maybe I could talk to this guy and they'll want to hang out for a couple of minutes and tell me about the time their mom stole a brick, you know, from a historic site and got haunted by a a shadow figure in a tricorn hat for a week. I mean, it's happened (laughs) more, more, more often than you think. It's amazing how how much is out there that people just don't want to see, or I mean they can't yeah. don't, don't want to acknowledge. I guess not see, but maybe acknowledge that, uh, mm-hmm. that there's so much more out there. You yeah, know? I, and there there really is. You know, one thing I always do on my ghost hunting tour, is I ask people, you know, whether or not they believe in ghosts, and I say, all right, look, I'm not here to convince you to believe in ghosts. I'm here to show you a good time, and show you how to look for any and all things paranormal. I just ask that you keep an open mind, you be observant, and you ask questions. And what can I say? It works, you know? Um, Otherwise, people just kind of look at you funny and, you know, kick rocks and don't really pay attention. You know, you got to get through to them and bring them in somehow. Yeah. And plus, being a, being a good storyteller is always also a, uh, I guess, a must to keep people's attention. Oh, you know, yes, I, I know yes. I couldn't be a good. I, I know I so. couldn't. I couldn't do it. You know, I just I don't have the, the per. I'm more of a I can ask questions and do the stuff like this, but like when I have to give the the history of the, the cabin on public investigations, I get all you know clammy. Like I can't talk. I'm just not good at that kind of stuff. Okay. Exactly. Have you yeah. have you always been like this? Like have always been had the the gift of gab, so to speak, or is it something that you've had to work on? Um, so I I originally started off as an actor, um, doing theater and film and television and commercials and stuff. Um, so I, I always had it and then I jumped into storytelling and the lady who kinda of mentored me, she was like don't take this the wrong way, but you're a storyteller. And I was like, well, wait, hold on, what? Why did I waste all these years of training for acting if I'm a storyteller? But she was like, no, 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 don't take it, that, don't take it as a bad thing. Um, she said, let me help you bring the storyteller that I see in you out. And over the course of um, the next year, you know, she kind of poked and prodded me and unleash the beast, I guess you can say, um, and, you know, kind of single-handedly made me what I am now. So I, I guess, long story time. short, I wasn't always like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good, yeah. Also, but it, it's also helped to have the, the background in theater because, you know, you can you know how to, like, project yourself and, you know, really get into the story and, you know, at the same time get other people invested in the story as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yes. You definitely um, have to be able to engage. I um, it was a few weeks ago, October 16th, um, I was helping uh, Spirit Guides Paranormal with uh, an event up at um, Fleetwood Church. And Christy Parker um, invited me to come do some ghost storytelling by the campfire. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. Um Normally I have a script, you know, or, you know, or something to work with. Um, but I was like, hey, so I sat down, I wrote three original ghost stories, and I performed them by the campfire. And it, I mean, it, it was one of the most awesome things in the world. Um, had a blast doing it, and now everybody was literally inches away <laughs> from my face. Um, so you know, it was really cool because I did like your old school kind of ghost storytelling mm-hmm. with like jump scares and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it was, it was really nice. When you're, when you're about to tell a story, do you got, do you kind of go into like a zone type of thing where it's like, it's, 
I don't understand. Is it, is it you have to prepare yourself to to like to like do a tour or something where you just start telling stories and that's kind of go into it like that. Um, gosh, if if one, one of my buddies were here right now, he 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 would tell me that um, I have to put my hair back. <laughs> Because <laughs> I have long hair, he, he always says he's yeah. like, oh, he's like, you know, you, you go into your phone booth, you you pull the hair back, and you come back out, and you're the storyteller. And uh, it, it's but like being on, yeah, yeah, you're presenting yourself to um, your group, but you're not quite yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I always look at it as like I'm an extrovert, but. I present myself to my my tour groups, you know, as a even more extroverted version of myself, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. You know, much more, uh, you know, bubbly and outgoing, and you know, roping people in, you know, asking them questions and stuff like that. Uh, I like to be as interactive as all possible, so I definitely have to put myself out there a little more and get in the zone like you were talking about. Um, otherwise, I'm just this really chill, laid-back guy who doesn't really like being loud and over the top. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's not going to yeah. be good for, for being a storyteller. You know, like, oh, yeah, okay, some ghosts here, whatever. Yeah. All right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I mean, okay, whatever. Next. There's still... So, um, uh, I was going to say, uh, I want to get to your podcast. We only got four minutes left, so I'm trying to get as much in as mm-hmm. possible. You know, we'll try to have you on again sometime in the future. What? Um, tell me about haunting, hauntingly yours. No, was it? No. Yeah, hauntingly yours. Yeah. Podcast. Good. All right. Yeah. Um, it, uh, so, think. Um, I basically took what I do on the streets as a tour guide and just applied it to a podcast. So I started searching for haunted places all throughout the world and I pick a location, um, look at the history, look at the folklore, look at the ghost stories and break it all down for people. And if I have the opportunity, I ideally go and investigate that location as well. That way I can kind of put my two cents into the mix, uh, along with the rest of it. Um, season one was all about haunted places. Um, season two, which I'm on right now, has been more focusing on just haunting tales in general because, you know, places aren't the only things that can be haunted. People can, yeah. objects, so on and so forth. So, you know, I have been focusing on um, interviewing, you know, people who own haunted houses and, um talking about exorcisms and, um, you know, haunted objects like uh, the tale of the haunted cauldron uh, that was discovered in the 1970s and, you know, giving people a chance to hear some of these stories that either haven't been told or haven't been told in a really long time and, you know, deserve to be put back out there in the open again. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, Say, I'm gonna definitely check it out. We've got like about 90 seconds left. Uh, I don't want to give you the opportunity to just promote whatever you want to talk about, uh, as far as like how people can get in touch with you or how people can hear your podcast. Or yeah, um, so if anybody's interested in uh, following the podcast, by all means, it's available on all listening platforms. Uh, Haunts when yours podcast for the paranormal. Um, also got my Facebook page from my uh, personal paranormal investigation team, Shadow Walkers Paranormal. Um, check us out. I'll give us a like. Um, yeah, and also um, Spirit Guides Paranormal. Do a big shout out for them as I am a new addition to their rosters, and I'm very happy about that. So yeah. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show and, and chatting with me tonight. It was a lot of fun finally getting to talk to you. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to get you on again soon. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that'd be great, man. I appreciate you having me on. It means a lot. Oh, perfect, you. you have a great night. Thank you. Yeah, you as well. Take care. Bye. See you later. Well, that was a lot of fun talking with DC.
on and uh hopefully we're being cut off here but thanks again for everybody who tuned in and uh we'll be back here next week same freaking awesome time same freaking awesome channel have a good one good night <laughs>